Blog Talk Radio. There's no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? And the man, the man doing the perfect fade right there, that is the venerable Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I'm doing well tonight. Certainly better than t- tonight than I was over the weekend, man. How about you? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, I'm doing very well. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of a crazy time as far as work goes. I have a big project I'm trying to pull off, and uh, I got press passes and all that stuff for all the stuff going on WrestleMania week, which is here in Orlando. And, um, I mean, it's going to be great. Larry, I'm going to get to go to the hall of fame, WrestleMania, the NXT show, all the fan access stuff. And then, um, and then I've been messaging back and forth with Gary Jester. So I'll be at the ring of honor event, um, in, uh, all the other millions of little shows. There's one promoter in Florida who's doing seven, count them, seven shows in three days around WrestleMania. So wow. it's going to be, but ne- yes, I mean, we'll, the next tipping point perhaps, we'll talk about all the insanity surrounding WrestleMania here um, in Florida, since I'm going to be kind of at ground level for all of it. But um, yeah, so you, you had a tough weekend, eh? What happened? What well, happened this I mean, weekend? I'll, I'll I'll keep it brief, but I was not in the best frame of mind for the AWE show Sunday night. Let me tell you. So I went to Chicago to help my mom transition from huh. uh, the the rehab center back to home, where she's been in for physical rehab. So uh, it went from the rehab center back to home. Uh, by Friday night, we're back in the emergency room, Ooh. and by Saturday, she's back in the hospital. And I leave on Sunday, and she's right where she was when I left it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when my I left gosh. Right when I left at Christmas, three doors down in the same hospital from where I left her at Christmas when she went to rehab. So we made, we made the round trip. The good news is she's, she is doing better, and now we'll be da-da-da-da, heading back to rehab <laughs> within a couple of days. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I got a tour of uh, medical facilities in Chicago. So, But, uh, yeah, so I... But I did make it to AWE wow. Sunday night, which was a, 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 an interesting show, for sure. For sure. But I don't yes, know it, lo- it lo- Well, you know, I, I guess we can talk about that briefly. And, of course, um, Larry's sort of recap of the show and review of the show is on uh, gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com. Um, I, you know, looking over your report, 
one, they kept the show to uh, a reasonable length, which seemed to help as far as people sticking around for the main event and being there for the big, uh, the big angle that developed between murder and murder one and homicide. Now, Larry, do you want to give the background on what the, what the beef with murder one and homicide is for those that don't know? Well, the beef goes back to when murder one went by the name homicide. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to around what? 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. Anyway, that's what the beef was that, that, that who, whose name was it? Um, yeah. And, and, and that's, and go ahead. And I was going to say, um, you know, homicide didn't have the best of matches with Martin stone. That's not, that's not really a, that's really not the kind of matchup that Martin Stone would have been known for, but um, it does get Homicide back, uh, presumably to go against Murder One at AWE's next show, which is in May. Is that correct? In May, on a Monday night at the Opera Nightclub. Now, we expect an announcement later this week from AWE uh, on Homicide's uh, return, but at this point that is not official, but obviously that's where gotcha. they're headed. And whether it will happen at Homegrown or at another show, I, I'm not privy to that. But clearly, that's the match they're, they're, this whole thing was set up to, to uh, was building to on uh, Sunday night. So, yeah. Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, Stone and Homicide was like an okay match, but not really the, the kind of match I want to see Stone in. Um, but there was nothing wrong with it, and, and it was all, you know, f- for the good when Murder One came out and, and, and messed up Homicide and, and, and caused him to end up losing the match. Um, but yeah, I, I, they certainly the pacing was better than a lot of AWE shows, and the crowd was still pretty fresh because they hadn't been there four hours when the main event went into the ring. So um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the show. I had a good time, and, and t- to their credit, again another nice crowd. Um, that was a paid attendance of over 160, so they did well. Now a lot of those are discount tickets. They they cut a lot of the twenty dollar tickets to you know they 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 run these sales and put them on sale for ten. Um, right. Nevertheless, this wasn't one of their highest budget um, shows either for talent. Um, so yeah. I think they, I think they probably did did okay. Um, well, you know, I the shows you didn't get to attend. Uh, I heard that the uh, the Why We Wrestle show was insane. That that Gunnar Miller um, was going against Brad Cash, and it was announced yeah. at the top of the show that it was going to have to be a hardcore match. So Brad Cash, I mean, bled buckets. I mean, I was looking at the pictures of just just the floor outside of the ring. There was just like drips of blood everywhere, and then it was just, oh my god! I, you know, that's that's two shows in a row where why we wrestle under the booking guidance of uh, Dan, uh, I, you know, has really delivered in the violence department. I, I think they're doing something that wrestling groups always talk about doing and never really do, which is to kind of do the thing that nobody else does well. And, and it, who'd have thought, I mean, Larry, four or five months ago, did you think we would be having a conversation about how, why we wrestle has sort of righted the ship i mean dan's booking has been good throughout but my god the the turnaround under uh, you know rick michaels basically having sort of a hands-off approach outside of doing his damn job as a promoter and all of a sudden they're in the 120s and 130s crowd wise again and everybody's happy to be there and it just seems like they're firing on all cylinders right now it would have been unthinkable four or five months ago. 
there hasn't been consistent crowds of over 100 people for, yeah. quote, regular shows. You'd have to go back to the Palmer era and even fairly early in the Palmer era for them to be drawing regular crowds like that show after show. It's really it's really something. And, you know, the violence is clearly reminiscent of NWA Wildside. Yeah. I mean, the early early wild side, yes, you had AJ Styles and you had some talented people, but you had some guys who really couldn't wrestle their way out of a paper bag either. And you had some some times where there was, you know, a lot of violence to substitute for wrestling. Not that that's what's sure. going on now, but but right. in the early days of of wild side, you did have some of that. Um so yeah, it's definitely a throwback type of presentation and a throwback type of feeling in the locker room there going these days. And anybody who thought that those Friday night shows now, again, they're, they're doing um, second and fourth Saturdays for why we wrestle, please change that name. But every Friday, every single Friday will be NCW uh, helmed by Rick Michaels. And anybody who thought that those were just going to be sort of throwaway gym shows, I think they're in for a bit of a shock. It looks like they're bringing in people. It looks like, I mean, for word on the curb is that they have 70 tickets pre-sold for the first show. So, I mean, that's going to, Rick is not looking for those shows to not matter. He's looking for those shows to be viable shows in that same building. And, um, and I mean, it is exciting. I, I think there's been just an energy going around. I mean, maybe there's going to be a little bit of a competitive feel between the Friday and the Saturday shows, but it, hopefully in the best of ways, you know, where it's just everybody's trying to up their game. Uh, the people on that Friday show are trying to impress, so maybe they can get on the Saturday show. I, I just feel like it's a very good vibe and uh, a really great energy and who would have thought what what the what the difference uh, an owner slash promoter makes, eh? Yeah. So you go from getting close to having no shows, zero yeah. shows in Cornelia, yeah. to having what six shows a month, and drawing drawing better than they were before. It is, it is the uh, the, the story of the year so far in 2017 in Georgia. It Western, is, no doubt. I, I think I think you brilliantly put that. I think it is the story of the year. And now we can shift gears <laughs> and talk about. Um, let, let's talk about TNA or Impact or Anthem. Um, hey, Steve, not, so before we be, yeah. before we get yeah, to the, the the big promotions, one other thing yeah. on the local scene. Speaking of blood, the APW 10th anniversary show Friday night. Oh, did you please? Yeah, tell me what you heard. Of, well, the, the photos of Jeremy Vane online. Oh, uh, the ones of him sort of unconscious in the corner and everybody selfieing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, with the, with the, with the, with the, wearing the crimson mask, surrounded by all sorts of people there. Um, the, mm. the word I got, word I got, is that they may have been close to three hundred people at that they show. They did a. They did a stellar job promoting that show. I, you know, it's weird. APW is one of those things where at one point I. I asked a bunch of people who would know. It's like, are they still doing shows? Like, I just didn't really hear about them, but I heard all about that show again and again and again, and I'm glad. I'm glad, because APW is just one of those things. Uh, it's such a uh, sort of integral part of the scene, and I think there would be a giant loss if they were not to run anymore. 
Uh, a lot of people have a lot of affection for APW and Jeremy Vane, um, who's, you know, kept that thing going, kept the torchlight going. And I'm so glad that they pulled a nice big crowd for their anniversary show. That makes me happy. Well, the other the other story on the show is that Antron Brewer was booked for the main event versus Brandon Parker with Vane in Parker's Corner. And mm-hmm. we want to send out a congrats, well, a hopefully a congratulations to Antron Brewer, who is in consideration for a referee spot with WWE. And wow. That is, that is why he did, was, uh, did not make the show. So Strict 9 wound up being moved into that slot. So, um, you know, it's, it's strictly under consideration. Brewer's not signed or anything, but he's got a shot at yeah. getting, in w, getting out WWE. So good luck to him. Absolutely. Oh, my one goodness. Other local, I mean, one other local. Yes, sir. No, no, no one please. Other yes. Thing, uh, a uh, former Georgia announcer of the year, Dan Masters, a, I guess you'd call him a friend of the show. I don't know, sometimes a foe of this show. But uh, he, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a nemesis of this show, uh, has parted ways with championship wrestling from Hollywood after four years. That doesn't um, that doesn't shock me. He certainly didn't seem to have a good uh, a good thing to say about them the last time we were talking. Um, any any details on what exactly happened, Larry? Yeah, um, he actually has the announcer spot with the hot new promotion out there, Pacific Coast Wrestling. Oh yeah, Pacific and Coast is the spot right he, now. It really is. Yeah. So he's got the he's got that slot and Pacific Coast. Um, really uh, didn't 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 un uh, want him working championship wrestling from Hollywood as well. So he mm. is uh, sticking with uh, Pacific Coast Wrestling. Instead. You know, how I, I get um, championship wrestling from Hollywood. It shows up um, Saturday midnight, and so I'll more often than not I'll catch that show. And it, you know, it's something about David Marquez. I I think like the production on that show, which is what he always touts and always talks about is very good for a show of its level, but the talent and the way things are presented is so bushy fucking league. I just, I'm actually kind of embarrassed when it's on, um, where I just go like, you know, it's just sort of stories. And I mean, they have a nice studio layout, I guess. Um, and that kind of thing, but there is nothing about that show that would make me stop and watch. If I'm flipping channels, I, there's nothing about it that would make me stop and watch. If I wasn't already inclined to sort of watch, and I watch just to see people that I know or and that kind of thing. But beyond that, it's it's not a very good show, though it's a very well produced one. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while they have a hot, a, a good talent come through there, and of course. Uh, the guy I like from there who wound up in TNA is Eli Drake. Um, was was really yeah, good man. during his time there. Yeah, but I mean, they're regular like run of the mill guys. Not so much. I'm a not big so fan much. of the Eli Drake, and boy, are they going to need him more than ever. Uh, well, supposedly, yeah. <laughs> Drew Galloway uh, has parted ways with. Uh, I guess we just call them Impact. Um, has parted ways with Impact, and they pissed off the Hardys. So the Hardys won't stay. And I get that Dutch and and Jeff Jarrett, you know, would probably want a clean slate on which to start. 
I don't know, man. Do, I mean, do they have anybody that they will tune in for outside of the Hardys or the people that the Hardys have made? Like, that's the that's the piece of the puzzle that really bothers me is without the Hardys, who's going to make people like, I mean, really make them and the Hardys, the job that they did feuding with decay and getting it to the point where Rosemary could really become a star of her own and finding a way for, I mean, abyss and crazy Steve, are there two people who while incredibly nice guys, I don't think, but he would have pegged them at this stage in the game of being a hot act, but they are a hot act in large part because of working with the Hardys who are nothing but selfless. If, if it's true that the sticking point was creative control, you worry about giving creative control to Hulk fucking Hogan. You don't worry about giving control <laughs> to the guys who had no interest in, in horning it on the main event scene who were making the tag titles important and who seemed to want to do nothing but put guys over and make guys look good. I don't, well, I really don't get the thinking unless it was, you it, know, it really seems like rolling the dice to, to go without them. When I watch that show, I mean, the yeah. excitement is all about the Hardy segments. It and is. That place feels so flat for most of the rest of the show, no matter what's going on. It's just deadly feeling, except when the Hardys are out there. And, and you know, so. Dutch Mantel is incredibly capable. I, I said this to somebody earlier today. The problem is I feel like Dutch Mantel and Jeff Jarrett are probably the best substitute teachers you can get, but they're not. <laughs> I, I just don't see – I mean, if what you want is – and, you know, like NFL has to go through this, right? What kind of coach are you going to get? Are you going to get the coach that's going to get you to the Super Bowl, or are you in a position where you just need a coach that's going to implement a game plan and get the players to buy in? And I guess – you know, Dutch and Jeff have enough credibility. You know, it can be argued that they sort of helmed TNA when it was at its zenith. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to imagine a vision coming from those guys where they're going to take advantage of, okay, let's bring in a new crop of guys and really tell some great stories. I mean, like you said, when the Hardys aren't on the screen or Rosemary – uh, everything else just feels very pat and predictable. It's like, oh, they split up the wolves. Right. Okay. Right, right, you know, uh, yeah. and even even an act, even when they've stumbled upon an act, and a lot of the sort of Billy Corgan era was stuff just sort of happening and happening to work because the boys had so much latitude because there were no freaking chiefs, right? So the Hardys thing worked. Uh, I mean, you know, Eli J Drake went from being a nobody to just pushing this personality to the point where he's he's kind of must see television by their standards. And I just can't imagine, you know, if they're going to go to the sort of by the numbers booking, I just, I can't imagine an audience tuning in for that stuff. I just can't, but you know, they're TNA and say what you want. I, I mean, as long as there's people willing to lose money there, they stay around. So we'll have two to more see. things quickly about TNA. And then we have, have our mm -hmm. guest. Joseph Agao oh, is on the line. We're going to bring him on shortly. But just two two other thoughts. One is I really did like the wedding uh, segment. Oh, I did. did. 
yeah, my, wife, was... my wife stayed up to watch it for goodness sakes. It's a wedding. <laughs> I, you know, in fact, I thought that they, they could have gone wackier with it. I, I was like, I mean, I was happy that they sort of delivered the goods and, you know, it was sort of a, a storyline that had been brewing for a long time and they finally paid that off. And, you know, Miss, I, I'm a big fan of the Miss Allie. I, I was trying to book Cherry Bomb forever in a day. Uh, yeah. I just, uh-huh. I think she's delightful. And, um, and, you know, again, small things they did well when they let the women, I mean, the women clearly picked what they were wearing, for example. And that seems like a minor thing, but it's not. They really found a way to make Allie the star. Um, Maria found a way to make herself look sort of scary and garish instead of, I yeah. mean, because Maria is yeah. fucking gorgeous. But, you know, like overdoing the eye makeup and then having the shawl to cover her boobs. Again, it's just thoughtful touches that men <laughs> wouldn't think of that the women do. And uh, I think that's awesome. I really do. The other thing was you mentioned the Eddie Davy thing. You know, I didn't think the execution of what was that bad. It just mm. I just couldn't buy it. It was just like, oh, here we go. This I just couldn't buy it. I don't know. I just didn't do it for me. No, um, no, no. Um, did you want to? Uh, did you have something else to bring up, or are we going to bring nope, up I think, our guest? I think it's time to bring on our guest. Current. Uh, well, he's now a residing in Georgia. It's been all over the southeast, a lot of times in Carolina, PWX, Sunday night at AWE, and will be seen in other places around Georgia, I'm sure, sure soon. Our guest for the evening, Joseph Figau. Welcome to the Hello, Tipping Point. Hey, how are you doing, man? How you how are you feeling after your match on Sunday? Uh, a little beat up. He kind of double stopped me on the face. So kind of. Other than that, I'm in pretty good spirits, I reckon. Good, good, good. So you're you're now residing in Georgia. I didn't know that. Um, what what prompted the move to be in Georgia all of the time? And I I was raised in Greensboro, North Carolina. So I've been in North Carolina for majority of you know my life from the team to my adult life, and I just. I felt it was time for a move, and I was in Georgia a lot because, you know, I met a girl down here, of course, you know, Kayla, who I'm with now, and a lot oh, of my fantastic. bookings. The better, my better bookings were in based in Georgia, and uh, I was tired of North Carolina and the indie scene there, so I decided to uh, to exit. Uh, that's great. I mean, Kayla, I've I've only met her once or twice, but she's re- I, you know she's got a really good attitude about stuff. I think that's really great. Um, you know, you mentioned sort of like North Carolina. Uh, you know, being here in Florida and formerly being in Georgia, like Florida has its own sort of vibe as far as like politics and and like the the kind of minefield that the boys would have to navigate here in Florida. And certainly that exists in Georgia to an extent. Uh, you know, I often hear that in Carol the Carolinas, especially North Carolina, that like a lot of BS kind of goes on. It seems like you know, like I'll see William Huckabee posts stuff and it seems like there's always kind of stuff happening kind of going down and can you speak on that just a little bit like what's what's your kind of take on the North Carolina scene as opposed to the Georgia scene what's the what is are there any big differences there Joseph um I wouldn't say there are any glaring differences between the two because mm. I mean it's 
the tents are still getting circling and the politics are going to be politics as usual. But yeah. the thing about Jesus that I like is more of a sense of camaraderie between some of the promotions that I have before and the workers. And in North Carolina, it's real cut, bro. Everybody has their own little cliques. And you'll notice that mm. the top guy at the top promotions in North Carolina are usually the same type of dudes or the same dudes, period. And it just gets to a point where you're like, okay, the guy doing the booking, obviously he's buddies with this dude. And, you know, in his eyes, this guy can do no wrong, even though he's not selling tickets. Even though this guy is not doing anything to put anybody else over to prepare somebody else for that spotlight. It's just a lot of, you know, selfish booking there. And I just wanted Mm. nothing to do with it. I I trained in North Carolina at the CWF Dojo. And, you know, even then, I saw, you know, more favoritism towards, you know, other guys, you know, that maybe grasped the concept of wrestling a little quicker than me. And even when I started doing some better things, it was still, hey, it's either us or it's nobody. So I said, hey, well, I guess it's nobody. And <laughs> I, I packed up my shit and I left, you know, excuse my language. But <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, and we'll, you know, me and Huckabee don't really agree on much. We argue a lot, but he's right. Yeah, it's me and very Huckabee. <laughs> Yeah. You, you know, I, I know Larry's dying to get in here with a question, but I got, I got to bring up something. And that's this. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with, with Joe Gao, um, formerly Joe Black, um, I got to say, you know, normally when guys sort of complain about like, oh, you, you know, like the bookers book their friends, blah, blah, blah. Normally I just take that as griping, but I'm going to say this for you. Um, you are one of the few guys who has a genuine presence about you. Uh, I think Larry will attest to this. There's so many guys that, and again, people are going to get mad that I'm saying it. Fuck it. It's, it's how I feel. There's so few guys that have it. And you clearly um, stand out. And there's just something about you that comes across. And it's, and it's one of these things that maybe it can be taught, but if it can be taught, a hell of a lot of guys need to learn it because there's just a sort of genuine um, toughness about you, um, yet there's like a real intelligence going on as opposed to somebody who's just got that sort of like youthful, I know it all thing. That's not what's happening with you. Um, You seem like you're a very like thoughtful, like introspective kind of guy and all that makes for a very unique package. So if, if people in the Carolinas weren't seeing it or weren't willing to go with it, I, I think it's smart. I mean, you're young, um, why not come to Georgia and just do a new freaking thing? I mean, you're smarter than me when I freaking packed up and like, oh, I'm going to try someplace new. I went to Colorado. What the fuck was I thinking about? <laughs> you know, so it's <laughs> like, what? It's like, why don't I go far as away from wrestling as possible for my wrestling career? So, yeah, I mean, my, my hat's off to you, really. Uh, I think just very smart guy and a very genuine, like, it factor kind of guy. I think it's the right move. I was Larry, curious. did you have something? Yeah. Yeah, a couple things. I was curious, uh Joe Black versus Joe Agao, what what's with the uh the name differences or the name change? Um, I was originally when I started training I was Joseph Blackwell. Joseph was my grandfather's name and Blackwell just sounded nice to me. Um Brad Stutz, who was responsible for some of my training, 
you know, one day on, uh, as the announcer for an event that we had, and I believe I was wrestling Trevor Lee or Andrew Everett, one of those guys, and he just announced me as Joe Black. And, of course, you know, you know, I, I watch movies, so I'm like, you know, Joe Black is, you know, Brad Pitt. You know, uh, yeah. he was in the movie Meet Joe Black, and Anthony Hopkins, he was trying to take his soul. It was his time. Like, that's Joe Black. Most people have to know that. And it just stuck. Like, I would tell guys, like, Joseph Blackwell. Joe Black is easier to say. I'm like, no, Joe Black is Brad Pitt. That's what people are going to say. So I went to the ROH camp um, last, last June, July, and um, Christopher Daniels pulled me to the side, and he said, look, Joe Black just won't translate on TV. That, that's Brad Pitt. You know that, right? I was like, I've been saying it for the past six and a half years. And he's like, you know, you're, you're legit Haitian. I was like, yeah. He's like, why don't you find something, you know, that involves your lineage. And the example he used was the Black Panther. His name is T'Challa. He's like, so try to find something mm-hmm. that's like something that's unique. He's like, you know, T'Challa just rolls off the tongue nice. He said it looks good on paper. He's like, you can find something that involves your lineage that's close to that. I think that'd be good for you. He said, so your homework tonight, when you come back tomorrow, have a different name. So I'm in a hotel room, and I'm like, uh, so I was expecting to hear, okay, work on your lockup or, you know, tighten up your, you know, headlock takeover. This guy just told me to change my name. That's kind of stuck with me for the past eight years. So I was just doing some research, and I called myself the Black Cloud anyway. And uh, one of the Haitian Gedeelo, which is um, the gods of the Haitian lore, his name was a guy when he was the lower of the storm. Um, so... I like the selling. I put a posture after the A to make it kind of touch ish And yeah. I presented that to him the next day, and he said, I love it. Run with it. So it's kind of stuck ever since. I love it. I mean, I just love it because that used to be one of the, you know, I talk, oh, God, I, I talk more wrestling in a day than can be imagined. I mean, whether it's like this Facebook group of guys that I know in Georgia where we chop it up or I'm on the phone all the time. And uh, you're one of the guys whose name comes up and, uh, and, you know, and I would just go like Joe black and I would just go, I hate it. And it, it got to be a joke where people were just like, all, oh, and I'm like, no, that, that guy deserves a name that is his where, where you can't get him twisted from anything else where it doesn't feel like an indie name. And I mean, when I saw a joke, I just went, Man, that's good. And, and immediately I just went, oh, like T'Challa, Black Panther. And I just went, that's great. I mean, I'll never, not only not forget the name, I'll, you know, just always go, God, it's such a badass name. <laughs> it's such a badass name. I just think it works. Uh, Larry, did you have another question before I completely take over again? <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you, Steve. Uh, I was, I, I really enjoyed your matches with Team IOU. And I'm just wondering about your thoughts on on working uh, Team IOU. Man, I cannot say enough good stuff about Gary Awful and Nick Iggy. Um, Honestly, when me and Huck got to work with those guys, they were our first AWE match. Um, We drove 16 and a half hours from Boston um, to make the show. We got there like maybe a match before our time, and those guys were really cool about it. They understood. And, And... me and Carrie have this kind of um, this chemistry that 
it's one of those things where you can kind of foresee the rivalry, like maybe these guys have similarities, maybe they have um, clashing ideologies that you can market and, you know, exploit for, you know, ticket sales. But me and Kerry just have this natural chemistry to where when we were in the match, everything clicked. And there's only a few guys, if you're a wrestler, there's only a few guys where you don't really have to worry about calling too much in the back. You kind of already have it. Have that kind of chemistry with Chip Day, I'd like to think. I had that type of chemistry with Cedric Alexander. And Kerry Awful, me and him just, it's automatic. As soon as the bell rings, we already know what we need to do. And the dog collar match we had with them, like we had so many fans convinced that we were legit shooting on each other. And I think maybe we were. I don't remember a lot about it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of pain involved. But, you know, like so many people still message me about that dog collar match. And one of the things they say is, you and Carrie off or crazy some bitches. But some dudes deserve every bit of pub. They're starting to get every bit of notoriety, every bit of success that comes their way. They're always on top of the social media game. They're always putting together these nice and crisp and fresh video packages. Their gear is amazing, especially in the way he's like, you know, the top hat and his, man, his swing yeah. master. And, you know, I really do love him, dude. He's one of the genuine good guys that are in this business that deserve every bit of good. And every time we got to wrestle them, I felt like I grew as a wrestler. If you pay our you play RPG games, I felt like I leveled up every time I wrestled those guys. I got so better. And, man, I, I, I love those dudes. I can wrestle them every day of the week, and it wouldn't get old to me. Nice. You know, nice. You, you talked about the TMI IOU video packages. You know, on the on the occasions where you cut a promo, man, I, I and you know, I, I know you must hate, like, old fuckers like me giving advice. I, I got to say this. Um, do more um, promos publicly, short ones, long ones, um, where, where you're just rambling on, whatever. Uh, I, I mean, that's a, that's a sort of a wrinkle in your game that I think, man, if you could really develop that part of it to go along with everything else, uh, I mean, you're unstoppable. I, I really do enjoy your promos. I watch anything that anybody puts online, I will watch it. You know, when Chris Nelms puts that 605 shit up, that is some of the most unwatchable, laughably bad stuff, I watch it. And uh, it's always a treat when you put stuff up. And, and I think that, you know, me and probably many others would have underestimated your ability to cut a promo. Um, you, you have an ability to sort of pull in this well of yourself um, and get what's really you to come across. And maybe it's a character, maybe it's not. Um, and I mean, anytime you can sort of invoke that kind of feeling, that's definitely a gift that needs to be developed and encouraged more because I really like it a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely. Speaking of which, how do you really feel about the way you were booked at Ring of Honor? <laughs> oh, talk about that, please. This is probably going to get me some heat, but in the infamous words of Tupac, I don't give a fuck. Anyways, um, I love Ring of Honor. That was the place that I always said, okay, I want to work there. I'm a shorter guy. I'm not a giant, you know, and God forbid I'm intelligent and articulate, but I'd probably get some wacky hip-hop gimmick in New York. You know, that's not me. I mean, I love hip-hop, but, you know, whatever. 
Um, so I knew Ring of Honor would be the place that I can actually, you know, cut loose, run wild, develop my skills. You know, if you look at the past, you know, 10 years or so up in New York, for those of you who aren't wrestler talk savvy, New York is WWE. Um, if you look at some of their guys there that are top guys, top draws, they were all Ring of Honor world champions at some point, or they were all top Ring of Honor talent. And to me, you know, Ring of Honor represented what ECW represented back then. You know, you had guys like Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, Dicosis, Rey Mysterio, Jericho, who went through ECW because maybe they didn't have their hooks in the, um, in the North American market just yet. And they went through ECW, they developed their skills, they developed their character, their personas, their, you know, technical acumen, if you will. And then after that, they became two stars all in their own right. They were able to branch off. So to me, ROH was that place where I could develop as a worker. I mean, when I did the camp, I'm thinking I'm on the right path. I talked to Christopher Daniels, changed my name. Everybody seemed to love it. You know, I worked for Steve Carino a lot at TWF and Hubert. Um, he's the reason I wrestled Adam Cole. And, you know, so I'm thinking, mm. you know, this is the place where I need to be to develop further. And I was one of the top three out of the uh, 50 or so that was in, you know, the tryout camp with me. And these are words from Carino himself. And so I thought, okay, I have something with this. And I did a couple of darks, you know, for Ring of Honor when they were here in Duluth and also when they did the Fort Lauderdale Lakeland Loop when they were in Florida. And I got paid pretty good to do those. And I'm thinking, okay, Kevin Kelly is a believer of me too, so at least I have someone that, you know, besides Carino that gets it. And then Steve sets a job with WWE. Yeah. And I I noticed things start to be a little bit different for me. Like, I'm used to, okay, we're going to need you this date, you know, make sure you're here, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not really in a lot of information because a lot of the info I would get would go through Steve. So now it just leaves Kevin Kelly. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. I go to center stage. That's a legendary venue. A lot of my heroes wrestled there, so I was already stoked. I was in the best shape of my life physically and mentally and spiritually. I was in a really good place. The first time in decades I was actually okay with everything going on in my life. So that put me in a good space spiritually to perform like I needed to. And I get there. I get my assignment. I talk to, you know, the upper brass about what they wanted from me. And I'm like, cool. Kevin Kelly pulls me to the side and says, this is your opportunity to show what you have. I know what you can do. Steve knew what you can do. Time to show the world what you can do. And then we'll take that and parlay that into a spot possibly for the top prospect. So that was my goal. Okay, go out here, kill it, maybe get a spot in the top prospect tournament, extend my reach to, you know, worldwide instead of just being a Southeast phenomenon. Cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I found out what they wanted me to do in the match, I was infuriated. But I also understood that business dictates business. It's not it's not dictated by how you feel about it. It's not dictated about what you may think is best for it. You know, I was just another cog in the grand machine of Ring of Honor. So I realized that I had a role for that night at center stage, and I was going to do it to the best of my ability. I wasn't going to bitch about it, right, moan or complain. I didn't go on Facebook and shoot on it or, you know, pontificate yeah. about how it was bullshit. I just did it. You know, I took it and I made it my own. But as I lay there after taking that power bomb for the kingdom, I and you hear the exasperated cries of some of the AWE fans who actually bought a ticket to come and support me. It pissed me off even more like, 
seriously. Like, I go from one of the top standouts in the camp, you know, one of the guys that did whatever he was asked, you know, good attitude. Because when I'm in the locker room, I don't do a lot of boasting, a lot of talking. I, I'm to myself. I speak to everybody. I'm respectful. I find a corner. I shut up. I sit and I listen. I'm like, so what did I do to deserve this? So, you know, I did what I did. And I got my paycheck. You know, I went home and, you know, whatever. And then Kevin Kelly, you know, whether he left or not, you know, he's not in the office anymore, so now my contacts are cut completely. You know, so I would email the booker um, and it's like, hey, whenever you need me, I can drive wherever. I can do whatever. Just let me know when you need me. I really want to build myself in your company, and I feel like I can bring something that's been missing. There's not any real huge Haitian wrestlers in wrestling history. My, yeah. like, I feel like I can bring that. And I know that I can talk, I can perform, so I can do whatever you need me to. And I just got completely kayfabe. You know, so that let me know, like, the only reason that I got booked for the shows I did was probably because Steve Carino was like, hey, what about Joe? Or Kevin Kelly was like, hey, what about Joe? So it pissed me off. And in the grand scheme of things, all the good will and good nature I had towards it before completely dissipated. And I'm like, okay, now I don't even get an email back, you know? So... You know, I can say so many bad things about whoever may be in charge, and I can talk about the mass exodus that, you know, some Ring of Honor guys are making to whether Evolve or the Independents or WWE, but I don't need to do that. You know, the proof is in the pudding. Anybody that watches wrestling can see that's not the product it was when they were running in gyms in 2004. Um, you know, so obviously that wasn't a place meant for me to be. I, I wish them nothing but luck. If they book me and they want to pay me and give me something that's actually going to help me provide for my family in about 10 years, cool, I'm, I'm there. But I'm not going out of my way anymore to say, hey, I'm making myself available to you. I'm going to cancel these bookings so I can drive by myself 10, 12 hours to do this spot that may be four minutes long. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. So my focus is international now. You know, it is what it is. Like, I, I was pissed about it. I never grabbed the mic. Stephen, even like you said, and I can speak, I'm articulate, but for some reason I just yeah. don't like to. Like my actions speak for me because in actions there's a purity that when you speak it, it kind of loses its luster a little bit. I was so pissed for some reason that I just had to say something. I didn't want it to be a, a hype bomb type moment, and it could have been, but I was like, let me be a little bit professional and just say my piece, let me say my sentence. And So it's out of my system Best of luck to Ring of Honor's organization. Best of luck to whoever's in charge now. No ill will, but I do think the way they booked me is stupid. I was physically the most impressive guy in the ring amongst the other six, and that's not my words. These are words from fans. These are words from other workers. These are words from vets, you know, that's been to the dance that said this. Like, you're, the, you're physically the most imposing. You're the shortest. You know, maybe you and Hollis, but you have a look about you that, well, this guy's a badass. But, you know, it is what it is. No ill will, no silk, no, no foul grace. I mean, you know what I'm hearing? You know, some people might listen to that and go, oh, you know, it's arrogant, blah, blah, blah. I think there's there's a world of difference between arrogance and knowing what you're worth. And, uh, you know, when I submitted it to, oh, my God, I'm old. So, you know, in 1999, when I, like, submitted a tape to the WWF, and they got back to me. Of course, I was fucking thrilled, right? But they, they just let me know right off the jump. 
I don't think you'll ever get hired as a wrestler, but you can talk and, you know, your video is really funny. Do you want to kind of do a couple of job things? And so, of course, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this wrestling thing that much longer actively. I want to do it. And Jake Roberts told me something that was really smart. He's like, here's the thing. Don't be afraid to tell them no. If there's something where you're, you feel like you're getting pigeonholed into a thing and it's not worth your time, then tell them no. You'll never lose. And goes, at the end of the day, you got to know what you're worth, you know? Yeah. And again, I, I think it's smart. I, I have a question for you. And here's something I, I bet you never thought I would bring up in an interview. So I'm going to compare you to Adele for a second. <laughs> so, Whoa. you know, yeah, yeah, here we go. So I, I was looking in an interview with Adele and she was talking about how she was afraid that she would never capture um, the greatness of her first album, because she said when the first album was happening, I was in the shit, you know, like, like my love life was crap. Everything in my life was shit. I was drunk all the time. And she goes, oh, you know, all those songs were written when I was loopy at four in the morning. Cause I was just so full of rage and pain that all of that just sort of came out of me and, and, you know, and it came out in the singing. And do you feel like, because I, I mean, it's clear you're, you're a much more mature person. Um, you're finding ways to sort of excise your demons on the microphone and in the ring um, instead of just on, instead of on Facebook, you know what I mean? Oh. Like, do you feel like, because you, by your own admission, you know, your life has kind of come around, you've, you, you know, got a good woman you've got things in your life kind of going in the right direction do you feel like that's going to take away from you or do you think it contributes to you um it's funny and this is going to sound poetic it's not the intention i always compared myself to a guy walking through a fire like he is physically impervious to those flames those flames will never hurt him even though he is mired in the middle of this this inferno you know, it will never hurt. But everything around him that he touches, everything that he ever loved, it singes completely and reduces to the ash. But he's cursed that he will always walk through these flames. And even in those moments when he wants to be completely engulfed and, you know, he just wants it to be over with, he wants to be incinerated, he's tired of the pain, tired of all the strain and stress and the depression, it will never happen. His curse is that his passion is what creates that. And I realized that as passionate as I am about wrestling, like one of my earliest memories of life was watching Survivor Series 91 when Hogan wrestled fucking Taker, and Taker won the title. From that day, Undertaker was my hero, and wrestling was my means. I had to wrestle. As smart as I am, you know, there's a world of possibilities for things I could have done. I was pretty good at basketball. I could have did that. Hell, my mother wanted me to be the next Thurgood Marshall. I could have been a Supreme Court judge, maybe. Yeah. But some reason in my mind, if I didn't wrestle, then I I missed my purpose, and nothing else that I would do would bring me happiness. But it's funny because for as much happiness as wrestling has brought me, you know, I met, like you said, I met a good woman through wrestling because of wrestling. I met a lot of my good friends through wrestling because of wrestling, but I lost substantially more because of wrestling and wrestling for every bit of happiness it has brought me, it's gave me equal parts or more misery. Yeah. Um, I have to show because I have to make a booking. 
And I didn't want to be by to say, hey, can we turn around and drive back to North Carolina so I can be with my family? I always knew because my father, he's Haitian through and through. He was in the Air Force, a master sergeant, bodybuilder, powerlifter. He was very strict and disciplined. If you have an obligation, you fulfill that obligation regardless. So that's how I feel now. And I think because of this passion that's always going to be a wildfire, I think that there will always be a little bit of age. There will always be a little bit of sorrow. There will always be that tinge of regret that I have that will keep me true to why I started this business. As happy as I am now, or as content, I should say, as I am with life, you know, there's still my demons that, you know, are in the back of my mind, like, and they're still whispering. I silence their voice to the part where they can't yell in my head like they used to. Now it's just faint whispers, but I still hear them. And at any given moment, I can give in to their whims, and I can let those whispers become deafening screams, a cacophony of agony, whatever poetic, you know, imagery I can put to it. But I control the fire now. So now I have Kayla, I have all these things around me. Now the flame is just burning my soul up. And it sucks because at the end of the day, I cut at least 10, 15, 20 years off of whatever life expectancy I was expected to have because of wrestling. And now, in order to protect those that I love around me, I have to keep those fires inside. And now, they couldn't harm me on the outside. They're killing me on the inside. So because of that, and of course, that's for those of you who take everything figuratively, uh, or literally, I mean, that speaking figuratively, I'm, I'm not being literal. There's no fire inside of me. I'm not dying. Um, but yeah. that fire speech and the passion, that's never going anywhere. And now that I can't just be who I used to be and kind of like just wrestle and then get drunk during the week and you know, go through motions, now that I have to be, now that I know that someone else's happiness is on top of my shoulders, now that fire has to be contained. So that makes me more dangerous in my matches because now I have more to lose. Before I had nothing to lose. Now I have everything to lose. So that makes me angrier, if anything. I think that makes me more dangerous. And the Adele, you know, comparison actually works because I think in the back of her mind, sometimes the misery isn't what's deep. What's deep is what you would do to make sure the misery never comes back. Mm. And sometimes that can be a more dangerous point of view and state of mind than a miserable, in, in a miserable state of mind. You're just sad. And the only thing you're focused on is being happy. But when you're happy, and you know what misery felt like and how deep the waters get, now you're willing to do anything to keep from drowning in those waters again. You're willing to cut throats, you're willing to stab acts, you're willing to go darker places to make sure you're never stuck in that sea of misery again. And I think now Adele will sell more records because she remembers what misery felt like, and she doesn't want to go back to that. Yeah. That makes her more. What makes me more of a dangerous competitor is I know what depression is. I know what agony is. I know what loss is. And I never want to feel that again, and I never want Taylor to feel it. But now I have two reasons never to go back. And in my mind, that makes me all the more dangerous. Absolutely. So, Larry, I'm going to ask you a question. Now, everything he just said right there, isn't that so much more compelling, engrossing, layered? It's, 
I would if if that can come across to me, I would much rather be involved and be interested in watching watching him wrestle, like with all of that, than I would any kind of shtick. You know you know what yes. I'm trying to ask, Larry? Yes. I was just sitting and listening to you, Joseph, and I'm thinking, well, I've always been, I've been a fan of yours since I first saw you wrestle. I'm I'm now just a huge fan after listening to what you just said. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a prick and famously so, uh, but there's been two or three times where we've talked to people where I went from, um, knowing about them and maybe thinking well of them to becoming a fan. And I mean, this is one of those times and I, I got to I'm going to, Joseph, I'm going to, I'm going to confess something to you. At one point when me and Larry and other people were sort of kicking around names, you know, maybe we can get so-and-so and so-and-so on, so-and-so on. Somebody threw your name out there. And my response was that guy, I'm, I'm like, I'm like great talent. Uh, I feel like he'd be shitty radio. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that I was uh, completely 100% wrong on that one. Um, Larry, do you, have a, do you have a last question? Uh, I mean, this t- time has flown by, and it has yes. been an absolute pleasure. But yeah, do you have a last question for Joseph? Yes, Joe. Where, where, where do you head from here? Where might we see you? Um, next up uh, is Rocks. Our pro tomorrow for um, the Chris Brothers, uh, which is a pretty good opportunity. Um, Last March is kind of a fog. I know I have well, things have to check my black book because I have a brain and I forget the smallest and simplest of things. But I do know I have an international tour actually coming up at Tell in April, and more details about that will be you know forthcoming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Mark left uh, actually out of wrestling for the team. Taylor looked out there, and uh, that's always fun, too. Um, you know, some of the Georgia guys have been migrating down to Evolve, Anthony Henry, Fred Yehi, Austin Theory. Might we see you in Evolve? I was actually strongly considering um, going to Evolve trial camp because, you know, I'd like to think that I'm on pretty good terms with Anthony Henry, and, you know, Fred Yehi is a cool guy, and, I remember when Austin Theory was just a zombie for, you know, Dark Mon's entrance uh, at a fireman show. So to see how he's, you know, blossomed into the competitor he is, and I've known Henry for years. He was my first WX matches. You know, and Yehi, you know, I've known him way longer than I've known the other two, and to see where they've gone and how they've grown, you know, I'd love to, you know, wrestle for Evolve. So that's definitely a goal this year to is to get on their radar and um we'll see what happens from there. Hopefully they handle me better and they don't book me deliriously. <laughs> uh. Well, uh Joseph, it, it it was an absolute pleasure. Um I I wish you uh, you know, it's I, my kid where I'm in Florida and so my kids going through they're they're going through testing crap, right? And, um, so her teacher who's fucking amazing was like, I want, I want the parents to secretly write these sort of affirmations for your kid. And so I can put them up around the room. And so your kid can find it and, you know, you can give kind of words of encouragement and inspiration to your kid. And so I'm like, uh, so my wife wrote three and then I'm writing three and I'm thinking about 
you know, my dad, uh, when he was alive, would he would never wish me luck and it always drove me crazy when I was a small kid it's like why can't you just say good luck like everybody on the planet and he's just like he goes luck luck is for people that need it because they're not paired and because they're not worthy of what they're doing he goes I never wish anybody I care about good luck I wish them good concentration meaning Mm. you know focus and make the right decision at the right time because you've done everything else that you're supposed to do So I'll say that to you. Instead of saying good luck with your career, I'll just say good concentration and hopefully, uh, you know, right place, right time. Um, And I I just think the sky's the limit for you. So thank thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Larry, color me surprised. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's that's one of the great things about Tipping Point is, you know, it, I, of course I love, I love talking to the old timers. I love it, I love it, and you love it. And, uh, but it's, it's a pleasure to talk to guys who are hustling and trying to make it happen when they're not only just deserving, but so cognizant of the journey that they're on and that they're taking. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the, that's the money, man. When, when you're really seeing the guys that are really aware of the journey that they're on and mistakes that they've made and they're willing to own up and then just keep pushing. I just, Oh, I'm, I'm rooting for that guy. What can you say? Me too. You know? Me, you know, it, 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 I've, I've, since I saw him, I wanted to interview him because I thought there's, I want to know what's going on inside this guy. There seems like there's something in there, and I guess we found out there's a whole lot going on in there. That was a yeah. Boy. I, and uh, again, it's just, and it's sort of that got that great throwbacky feel in the sense that, yeah, guys that are that are really hard scrabble guys are in blessedly short supply and again guys that just have the goods um i'm just mm-hmm. a big fan of the goods and it's and it's not democratic and it's not fair but i am always of the mind that some people haven't some people don't i couldn't um, agree more and, and he's got it man he's got it and uh, I, I mean you know that great moment at awe where you know, the match is over and he takes the mic and he, he basically bears his soul to the crowd. And he's like, you know, nobody, you know, everybody's kind of rejected me and thrown me out. And the crowd chanted, you know, you've got us. It is a wonderful moment. Um, I mean, if it was any fans other than AWE fans, it would be wonderful. Right. Um, <laughs> like, Oh, I got you. Ah, you had to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, that kind of connection, that kind of ability to really connect, to not lie to yourself. That's some, the other thing. There's sort of a, it, it sort of reminds me of the Slim J interview where you really got to see that guy, um, you know, strength comes from the ability to display vulnerability. And I think that in, a, in a macho thing like wrestling, the guys always forget that, that at some point in a business that is fake, it is the reality that people want to see. It's vulnerability that makes a baby face, not 
Superman ass kicking. <laughs> I was I was so glad you said that about uh, to him about you know wanting to do more promos because the best promos come when somebody's drawing on what's inside of them and obviously there's a lot to draw on inside of Joseph Agao. So um, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I love about pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, boy, doesn't that feel good? I, I you, yeah. you know, in a in a time where um, you know Larry Larry and I uh, chat. And um, on Facebook, and I had said something in the midst. Larry can all, usually has to kind of catch up to the conversation because, you know, he's got like a real job. And so um, when Larry sort of requoted something I said where I, I, I don't Larry, you can maybe remember better than me, but it was something along the lines of, well, pro wrestling isn't pro wrestling anymore, right? There's no it's shit basically well, <laughs> well we were talking about yeah the 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 context was it being part of the the americana and the culture and that that's just not mm-hmm. yeah yeah but pro wrestling used to be gone. sort of woven in the fabric of the country and it yeah. no longer is it no longer is not that people don't know what the wwe is they most certainly do but there's a and you know i love a carnival and so i got to go to um gibbonton florida where like the sideshow freaks live and the people who run carnivals live and i mean it was as cool as i wanted it to be where you would have houses where they would have giant like midway machines in the yard and all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff but I thought, you know, this is where wrestling started. It was as pa- part of the carnivals, part of the circus, which is, I mean, what's more America than the Barnum and Bailey Circus? Well, guess what? There is no Barnum and Bailey Circus. Barnum anymore. and Bailey Circus, no. <laughs> that's that's and, that's the magic of you know that's it's it's there's got to be the the magic and um. And I know, well, I'm just going to go off on one brief tangent, and then I, I know we got to yeah. go. But it's the thing that bothers me about wrestlers coming out into the crowd and watching the show. And it's not about, you know, okay, so, you know, everybody, you know, knows it's what it is. But when I go to a play, the actors don't come out and sit in the audience when they're not on stage and watch the play. Um, it just... It's just not right. <laughs> yeah. It just spoils it. There, so. There's a reason it's called a fourth wall. Like, there's there are walls, and there needs to be separation. And in those separations and in the barriers and restrictions, that's where the magic happens. It happens behind the curtain. It happens in the sleeve. It happens with the hand that you're not looking at. And wrestling has been so quick to reveal not only its secrets, not only the removal of kayfabe, but I never wanted to be ordinary. <laughs> like, who got into <laughs> wrestling to be fucking ordinary? I got into wrestling to be hated. I didn't want to be sort of disliked. I didn't want to be secretly loved. I wanted to be despised. I wanted to be number one. It's a, people are like, how can me and Jeff G. Bailey be friends? Because right. there's so many similarities. I mean, two guys that couldn't grow up in more different environments. I mean, he's in, you know, some kind of cracker-ass town. I grew up in Hawaii, but yet the commonality of I always wanted to be, you know, if I was going to be hated, I was going to be the most hated. The stuff that Jeff has said in promos is absolutely batshit insane. 
you know? <laughs> and it's like, because you do whatever you had to do. And the guys seem so happy to be ordinary. <laughs> they want to embrace the most banal aspects of themselves and reveal them to the world. And I mean, you would never catch me sitting in a crowd at a show that I was participating on. That's insane. But the guys do it figuratively and literally every day. And that's something they need to look at. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, this coming weekend, it looks like the place to be will be the Scenic City Rumble up there in Saudi Daisy outside Chattanooga. Uh, what a card. What a card! Well, I guess we won't we won't be seeing Gladiator Jerry Maya versus Theory because he's on the shelf. Uh, I do not. Know he is, but not, for, but not not actually. I have a little bit on that. Is it's okay. not as serious as it could have been. So it looks like it's going to be like two months on the shelf instead yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because if it if it's like a full like any kind of tear, you know, that's six months. And yeah, it's like no, I'm so glad. A couple. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's good news, uh, at least. Interesting matches on the show: Torque versus Anthony Henry, Tank and Iceberg versus the Carney versus Lynch Mob, Shane Marks <laughs> versus Kyle Math. Yes, Shane Marks versus yes. Kyle Matthews. The hierarchy versus the Bruiserweights and Gunner Miller. <laughs> and and then you have the twenty-five man Scenic City Rumble. That's that sounds like a show to me. Sounds so, like a show, uh, so you're going to be there, I assume. I, I, I will be there, yes. How Absolutely. about you? What's up, what's up with you these days? Um, well, I, I have uh, – we'll, we'll discuss it. Um, I'll, I'll just briefly go into it by saying this. Um, uh, you know, when I got involved in wrestling – and then they started giving me more and more to do. When I became known as like the finish guy, go to the, go to that guy. He's got good finishes. And that led to me booking, which led to me eventually running my own thing. Um, it's kind of happening with the magazine right now. I'll just say that. So, you know, I work for, um, it's called Winter Garden Magazine. It's about the Winter Garden area, which is like a kind of a, like a hip suburb um, near Orlando. But I've learned quickly <laughs> and I've advanced quickly and inevitably that usually leads to me wanting to do my own thing. And so that's what, that's what we're on the cusp of right now. And a lot of the WrestleMania coverage is going to sort of hopefully dovetail and fold into uh, this new endeavor that I'm wanting to do. So it's been very busy and crazy. Um, yes. So that's, that's what I'm up to this weekend and preparation for all of these wrestling shows I'm going to, I'm probably going to go to the um, shine show in uh, two weekends from now. So, so that will be a lot of fun. I always like going to shine in Ibor city. And we will be back two weeks from tonight and potentially we may have a third generation wrestler, Eric Wayne, if he's available, he's, he's, He's yeah he is he is definitely going to do our show. I'm hoping we can get him for two weeks from tonight. And if we can't get him, um, tugboat Fred Ottman got back with me and said he oh. was going to look at his schedule as well. So uh, we'll have somebody good on. Uh, if nothing else, me and Larry will be here, and that should be damn well good enough for anybody. So <laughs> next week is three the hard way with Matt Hankins and Big Wood, and join us in two weeks for another edition of the Tipping Point.
Good night, y'all. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.